Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. Of the podcast ever. We're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. Hail Dictinus. Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. You know what charm is. A way of getting the answer yes without having asked any clear question. Welcome to Storytelling Romance, the 131st episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 20th century philosopher Albert Camus. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I am Ode's father. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. And it's storytelling! Yes, we're doing a storytelling again finally. It's been a bit. So we are recording on Valentine's Day, that which is, is why we're doing romantic stories, quote-unquote romantic stories. So happy Valentine's Day for those quote, who unquote, celebrate. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, so we'll get into it. Happy <laughs> happy greeting card day for all of these who don't happy actually love celebrate. Happy love day. Uh, and my sympathies to all the aromantics out there who are having to put up the, with this from everyone. I, I will tell you in advance that one of my stories doesn't in divorce, so you may want to stick around for that one. <laughs> but before we do any of that, we're going to start with housekeeping. Every other Tuesday, so not this upcoming Tuesday, but the Tuesday after, I do a YouTube slash Facebook live video series with Sarenth Odinson and Malik Odinson called Three Pagans on Tap. When and you we remember. talk about alcohol. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Had to All right, so I'm just gonna, out. hold on. I'm going to get it out. Fuck you, Gwen. So, um, so <laughs> yeah, when I remember, because last week, like, it was like six minutes afterwards, I got a mm-hmm. frantic text going, hey, are we still doing this? I was like, shit. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sitting on my ass doing nothing. Oh. Anyway, so yeah, so there's this three pagans on tap thing we do where we talk about alcohol and how it relates to our gods and a lot of other stuff. So it's just a, it's an absolute blast. We have a shit ton of fun doing it. So uh, feel free to uh, come and join us yes. on three pagans on tap. Last uh, week, Carr accidentally discovered. Oh yeah, so so we were drinking whiskey sours last week, which would have been Awesome. Except that because I didn't figure out that we were actually doing it, I just grabbed a bottle off the shelf and the sour mix. And so the entire time I drank rum sours, which turns out are really fucking good. Oh, they're very good. Quality to recommend. Rum is awesome. So I'm not surprised at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Also, every Sunday from 2 to 4 Eastern Standard Time, Mm -hmm. you can join a Zoom call that we post on the discords and usually on the Facebook, although I think I forgot this week, that has no meaning and no structure. And there were 20 of us just talking about random shit this week. Uh, any new patrons, Car? Oh, yes, we do. Actually, have two new patrons. We have a new hunter, Olivia Roach, and a new leopard, Gabby Gaberson. Spectacular. Welcome Welcome. to our newest Hunter and Leopard. And you know, we love all of our patrons. We appreciate everything you do for us. And of course, we love all our listeners. Mm -hmm. Yep. And reminder that Hunters and Above can join us in the Discord live during recordings, which happen on Sundays at 7 p.m. And Leopards 
and above can also join us on Hi, Vocal on, on GetVocal.com where they can spy on the video of the recording, which doesn't get saved anywhere. So you That's right. only get to spy if you show up live. Yep. That's right. That's all the housekeeping. I believe Pretty it is. I don't sure. think Quinn does anything anymore. Not right just, now. Just the Patheos and, blog. And yep, yep, that's true. I am writing still, obviously, for Patheos Pagan. Mm-hmm. And my, I did a post about Tom Brady's wife being a witch, and it is number one on Patheos Pagan blog right now. So if you haven't read it, go check it out. Nice. Well done. Thank you. In case you. you're wondering what Giselle Bouchon is up to. He's in football, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. He, he just won. <laughs> he his plays sports Super ball. Bowl. Oh, okay. I didn't. And, I didn't know. And, and he was a fifth round draft pick, and he came from the University of Michigan. Yep. You know so many sports facts, Carl. I, they're ridiculously <laughs> stuck in my head. Forever. Yeah, it's a little stupid. And thank Forever. you, Finn. I'm glad you liked that blog post. So I think that's all our housekeeping. We are housekept and housewept. Excellent. Uh, and now it's time for people to tell stories. And Quinn, pagan pantried. Pagan pantried. I don't know. I'm just making shit up now. <laughs> I want to feel a part. <laughs> we can say Pagan Pantry and, and remind people that, that the Pagan Pantry does exist. That's right. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so there is a, in Michigan, mm-hmm. at least, there's like uh, three, maybe four locations mm-hmm. of Pagans in Need, which is a food pantry mm-hmm. that exists, uh, run by the wonderful Bill L., mm-hmm. who we adore. Yes, um, yes, we immensely. do. Immensely. And, and then it's run regionally by, by different, by different people. like Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. but Bill's so, the head of the organization. Yes. Yep. The overall. We have one of those here in Kalamazoo where we live. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one in Lansing. There's one in Lansing. There's one in Detroit. They serve whoever needs help. You do mm-hmm. not have to be a pagan to nope. it, get assistance. It is and has been running during the pandemic. We have a Patreon yes. so that you can support pagans in need, mm-hmm. which I think is very, very important. Not only can you donate yeah, food. they're a nonprofit and they run on very thin margins. Right. Yes. So not only can you donate food, but you can donate your dollars, which mm-hmm. they need just as much, if not more. To, to buy food and yep. space to keep the food. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's pagansinneed.org. There we go. All right. I believe that's everything. So Gwyn, because you were... Clapping your hands in excitement. Uh, how about you start off telling our, okay. our story? So the story I'm going to start with first mm-hmm. is from the Greek okay. mythologies. And it is about a king and queen of Trachis. It is Alcyone and Saix. And the king and queen of Trachis, they were very, very much in love. Um, I believe she was the daughter of um, the king of Thessaly. Okay. And uh, so, you know, they... They married, they, and it was this one thing where they were like one each other's one true love. They mm. just were completely devoted to one another. Tiny problem. Oh boy! <laughs> because they I was were say this could be a short story. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, so part of the problem was that they were so in love that both the gods and mortals were jealous of them. Okay. And everybody, you know, told stories about the amazing relationship and love of Alcyone and Saix. And they got a little full of themselves. Oh, no. (laughs) To the point where some of the stories say that they called themselves Hera and Zeus. Oh, there are so very many reasons not to do that. (laughs) So, so many reasons. First of all, if you love each other. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Scubus is saying, why would you ever do that? Yes. No, you don't want to do that. Understandably, Zeus got a little pissed. 
And one day, there were some things going on in, in his kingdom. Uh, Sakes, I believe his brother was killed and there were some battles and things like that. And he wanted to visit the Oracle of Delphi to figure out what was going on. Because they why were... Why he was cursed. Why he was cursed. Why were they, they were, there was trouble in the kingdom. Okay. Imagine that, comparing yourself to, you know... The, to Zeus and then there's Zeus, trouble in your kingdom. And then there's trouble. But so he had decided that he wanted to go on a trip to see the Oracle of Delphi. His wife, though, had a dream that really disturbed her and uh, that she believed from was from the god of dreams. Mm-hmm. So she begged him not to go. She was just sure something was going to happen to him. But he said, no, no, I have to go. I have to visit the Oracle. And so she go, well, take me with you then. I, I don't want to be separated from you ever. I love you so much. Please take me with you. And he said, no, my heart, you have to stay here. But I promise you, I give you my vow. I will return to you in two weeks. And so he set off on his voyage, on his ship, to go, you know, from his place, his kingdom, his kingdom, kingdom to where the oracle was located. Well, on the way back, because all of this time, you know, Zeus is pretty pissed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he gets so enraged that as the ship is coming back... So he, he gets to the Oracle he gets Delphi to the Oracle. and has his little power. Mm-hmm. And as he's re- on his return trip, Zeus conjures up a storm and sends lightning down to the ship so that it will capsize and King Sakes drowns. But of course, nobody knows what's happened. He's just delayed. And so Alcyone is standing at the beach day and night, day after day, waiting. She wait, went at the appointed time of his return and he didn't come. And so she kept going and going every Widow's day. The, yes, exactly. Weeping and crying for her husband because he did not return. Mm-hmm. As he promised, she knew that something horrible had happened to him. And so she cried out to Hera and she cried out to the other di- the gods and and goddesses and but and just day and night weeping asking Hera for help to return her husband and so Hera <laughs> she did return her husband his body according to some stories washed up on shore so that she would at least know what happened to him after spending some time in the ocean exactly probably wasn't in great condition so great was Alcyone's despair and grief she flung herself into the ocean and drowned so that she drowned herself, killed herself, so she could be with her beloved sakes. That's challenging. It's actually hard to drown yourself Mm -hmm. because your brain doesn't want to. Well, after this happened, Zeus actually took pity on sakes and Alcyone. After all the drama he did. After all the the drama. (laughs) uh, Makes you wonder if Hera, you know, went over there and was like, come on, you know, fix this. He actually transformed them into kingfisher birds and every season during the halcyon days which is about a week or so in winter when the ocean is calm and peaceful the kingfisher birds lay their eggs and their nests are on the beach and it's all peaceful and lovely and so they were able presumably to join one another once again in the form of these birds Mm -hmm. and so their love continues through eternity despite in the bird kingdom in, in the bird kingdom and so that is the loving and tragic story of Alcyone and Sakes, who, in their deep love for one another, got a little bit big-headed, and Zeus took exception. 
Hmm? Mistakes were made. <laughs> Mistakes were made. Mistakes were made. You know, I I don't think Hera didn't take exception. No. Considering her response to the woman who claimed to be Hera was, well, here's the corpse. Exactly. <laughs> I can you show go. you what happened to your husband if Here you're you not about it. And that was considered to be merciful so uh-huh, that she would right. not constantly be standing on the beach well, waiting as, for her as, husband to return. As Rhiannon and Grace says, at least he'd get a funeral. That's one mm-hmm. of the most important things to the Greeks. Exactly. So. And so that's kind of what the what the point of Hera returning the body to her is so that she wouldn't just be in despair never knowing what happened to her husband. If he'd done like an Odysseus exactly. and he's just going to be gone for exactly. a decade. And not just keep going back to the beach every mm-hmm. single day and just staying there waiting for her husband. But it did in fact cause her to, to kill herself uh, because her grief was so great and she could not live without him. There you go. <laughs> That's very Romeo and Juliet. Yes, it is. So I'm going to start with... So both of the stories I have are a little questionable because we don't actually have many romantic stories in the Norse canon to I work think- with. I think that's true in the Greek as well, because, yeah. you know, their, their, their love tends to be tragic. Yeah, but at least it was love. <laughs> there you go. My stories are about courtship, but not necessarily love. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right then. So uh, we're going to start with the story of Skadi and Njordr. This is the one that ends in a divorce. <laughs> give you a little spoiler as, there. As Finn says, lust. These are not stories of love. They're... These aren't, well, one of these stories is of lust and one of these stories is of Scotty. <laughs> so the backstory is, to, to the story of Scotty and Njord, the backstory is that Loki got into some business with her father, a giant named Thazzy, after being beat up by Thazzy, basically helped him steal Ithun. And so the gods lost their immortality for a bit and they had to go get Ithun back and kill the, the giant Thazzy, who was Skadi's father. Sounds like it was a whole thing. It was a whole, it was a whole situation. <laughs> but after that was done, Skadi inherited her father's hall, Thrymheim, and she had a legitimate debt that was owed to her by the Aesir because they'd killed her father. Fair. So, so she was owed compensation. So she went to the Aesir and demanded that they give her a husband. And specifically, she demanded that they give her Balder, who was Othin's son and sort of presumed heir. Was he the pretty boy? He was the pretty boy, yes. He was described as the shining god. He's the one who dies later, but who is prophesied to be the ruler of the gods after Ragnarok when he'll leave hell. So yeah, he's he's the shining god. And at this time, presumably was unmarried. He does eventually marry <laughs> Nana. But at this point, he, he was presumably like a legitimate prospect, a bachelor. Um, and Skadi wanted Balder as her compensation for the death of her father. Fair. Odin did not consider it 100% fair, not least because he probably had plans for Balder, who was his son. So he, being a trickster archetype, was like, all right, here's what we'll do, Scotty. Put down the weapons, because she did come armed and prepared to make her case with blood. Right. Um, Isn't she the one who's a giantess? Yes. Okay. Well, a Jotun. Yes. yes. Skadi, put down your weapons, and here's here's what we'll do. You don't actually know Balder, but you believe that he is the right husband for you, so we'll, you can prove it. What we'll do is we'll get all the eligible bachelors in the, in the Pantheon to line up with sacks over their faces so you oh, can't see them. This sounds bad. And their shoes off. 
and you will identify Balder by his feet. Because if you really are that dedicated to having Balder as a husband, you should know what his feet look like. (laughs) (laughs) So if you can pick Balder out of a lineup by his feet, you can marry him. But whoever you pick out of this line of all the eligible bachelors in Asgard, you have to marry that man, whomsoever he be. And Scythe considers this, as she can tell, it's the only deal she's going to get that doesn't end in having to have an actual fight, which Scythe is prepared for a fight, but also she's one Jotun against all of Asgard and Mm. it's not good odds. So she says, okay, I'll take this deal. I 100% know I can identify Baldur by his feet because he is described as the shining god. He is the most beautiful of the Aesir. So clearly his feet would be pretty too. Clearly his feet will be the most beautiful feet. (laughs) That's a bad criterion. This is obvious. (laughs) This should be no challenge and Odin's an idiot. So all the men in Asgard who are eligible to get married, so like not Odin, (laughs) put veils over their faces, take their shoes off, stand up in a line. They have no, they're like all wearing the same clothes so they don't have like distinguishing marks. They just all, the only thing visible to, to identify them by are their feet. I got this picture inside head, man. Just a bunch of men standing in a row with bare feet and Scotty goes around and she examines each man's feet. As Megara says, Odin is an idiot, famous last words. Yeah. So, so she goes around, she examines each man's feet individually uh, and she takes her time with it because this is an important, you know, decision. But she eventually identifies what she is sure are the most beautiful feet in Asgard, <laughs> which must obviously belong to Balder. Oh, God. <laughs> so she says, that's the one. This is the man I will marry. And Odin says, okay, congratulations, Njord. You are now married to Skadi. And Skadi says, whomst? <laughs> and Njord takes off his veil. And Njord is the god of the sea, one of the gods of the sea. Uh, he's a Vanir. Is he not pretty? Well, it's not so much that he's not pretty. It's just that he's older. Apparently he's because older, but he has pretty feet. He's the father of Freya and Freyr. So he's old enough himself to have grown children and is one of the Vanir hostages. So he's not even an Aesir himself. Oh, dear. <laughs> he's, he's one of the Vanir hostages who was exchanged... After the war. Somebody was putting in here, I think it was Swan, said fish foot spa. (laughs) It's all that time spent in the the salt water. His Uh feet were pretty. It's it's just made his feet beautiful. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, Scotty's not happy. (laughs) Njord is resigned because he's already, you know, been exchanged as a hostage to this community anyway. So whatever. Of course, they're going to marry him off to some random woman who came here with an axe. So, so Njord is just like, all right, fine, I guess this is my life now. Scotty's not happy. She demands, un- unless they can make her laugh, she's not going to take this. This, this. this was ridiculous. This was a ridiculous, uh, stupid game that Odin made up. It's not real. It's not a real courtship law. They can't make her do this. So she'll, she'll fight their stupid game with her stupid game, which is that she's mad and she doesn't think this is funny, Odin. And unless someone in Asgard can make her laugh, the whole thing is off. And then they'll still owe her a debt. So... This is not going to end well. (laughs) Odin says, okay, fine. We'll make you laugh. (laughs) We already won one game. And it it would be nice if we could say that, like, a bunch of people try to make Scotty laugh and fail. But that's not really what happens. What happens is that... The gods get together with Loki. I was gonna say. <laughs> Time to call in Loki. 
and say, you know, this is really all your fault because, you know, it was really your fault that Yazi got that got Ithun in the first place and then he got killed. And so really, ultimately, you're to blame Poor Loki the whole gets thing. The shit. And Scotty's really mad at you, not us. So you should make Scotty laugh. So Loki thinks about it for a bit. He says, okay, I know what I'll do. He ties a rope around his balls. <laughs> he ties the other end of the rope to a nanny goat's beard. And then he allows the nanny goat to run around and drag him around by his balls as sort of slapstick mummery. And then at the end of this performance, which involves a lot of yelping and prancing around, collapses in Scotty's lap and she cracks a smile and laughs because it's ridiculous bullshit and also some petty revenge. (laughs) And so because Scotty laughed, she's now... You know, she's honor bound. She has to marry Njord. So Njord and Skadi get married. This does not last long. Because <laughs> for a start, Skadi has a home already, a hall, Thrymheim, in the mountains that belong to her father that she's inherited. So she takes Njord there because he's her husband and she can do what she wants with him. <laughs> <laughs> but Njord is miserable in the mountains. He's a sea god. He doesn't know what to do with all these rocks. It's not his business. He can't bathe his feet. He can't bathe his feet. There's all this howling wind all the time. It's it's miserable. He's miserable. And Scotty finally says, okay, fine. God, you're whiny. Let's go live in your hall and see if that's any better. At least you'll shut up. So they go to Njord's hall, which is by the ocean. And he's very happy. He gets to do his saltwater baths. (laughs) He gets to watch the ships go. You know, he gets to do his sea god things. He's he's not a complicated man. Um... (laughs) But Scotty can't stand the sound of the ocean waves all the time and the seabirds yapping. And now she has to listen to all that racket instead of Njord complaining. And it's really no improvement. There's still whining happening around her all the time. It's just little whining instead of big whining. So Scotty says, finally, all right, clearly we can't live in the same house. So there's no point in us being married. I'm officially divorcing you. (laughs) So this marriage is very short-lived. But Skadi gets to keep her position as an Aesir, counted among the, the gods. Uh, she gets to keep her position in Asgard. And they go live in their separate houses. And ne'er the twain shall meet again. <laughs> Except that occasionally Skadi does, you know, like, do stepmom things for the kids. <laughs> well, that's nice. Because, you know, family's important. Yeah. <laughs> so she may not care for Njord, but, you know, if Freyr Freyr needs something, whatever. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love that story. Yeah. I've heard you tell that story before. Oh, I'd forgotten the bit about Loki <laughs> and, you know, being dragged around by the balls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> kind of how I feel most days. Oh. Our oh. Tiger R. Darren is offering intuitive readings and divination with over a decade of experience working with spirit, tarot, runes, and tea leaves. Make an appointment for a reading with R. Darren on Facebook at... A-R-D-E-R-I-N-A-U-G-U-R-I-E-S. That's our Darren Auguries. Or find them online again at Instagram.com forward slash our Darren Auguries. Spelled the way Carr just told you. Yep. <laughs> Hail Dictinus. Yes. Because God, that one is always hard <laughs> with the spelling. <laughs> All right, Carr? It's your turn. No, not doing one. Yes. Yes, no. you are. No. Yes. No. Yes. I read commercials. No. no. I only read commercials. No. My job is commercials. No. <laughs> Fine. 
<laughs> and Midnight Melody says, story, story, story. So, Fionn MacCullum was the leader of the Fiannin. Oh, boy. A renowned <laughs> band of warriors and poets who roamed the land while undertaking heroic quests. Mm. This sounds good. One day, while he was out hunting, he encountered a most beautiful doe grazing in the woods. Fionn's faithful hunting grounds, Bran and Skolag, who had been born of a woman transformed into a dog, immediately recognized this creature for what it was, a human lady, transformed by the black magic of a druid she had refused to marry. Moved, Fionn caught the doe and brought it to his home. As soon as they crossed the threshold of his land, the druid's curse broke. The young woman introduced herself as a name I can't pronounce, <laughs> and explained that because of Fionn's compassion, she could keep her human form as long as she remained on his property. Fair the enough. pair married, and shortly after, the name I can't pronounce became pregnant. And all was well until one day when Fionn was away fighting with the Fionn. The druid had, who had cursed her went by, found her, and turned her back into a deer. Aw, bad druid. It's just, it's just sour grapes. Rude. When Fionn returned from battle, his wife was nowhere to be found. Heartbroken, Fionn spent years in search of his missing love. No sign could ever be found of the doe he had stumbled across that day. However, while hunting again one day, he and his hounds discovered a lone newborn fawn sleeping peacefully in a meadow. Fionn instantly knew that this was he and his love's child. He brought the fawn home, where it transformed into a baby boy. Appropriately, Fionn gave him the name Ocean, which directly translates little deer. Aww. Aww. So we don't know what happened to Mama. She probably got eaten. Probably. Or killed by that mean druid. Yeah, he sucks. Uh, I have two other stories that go, oddly enough, with that story. Oh, okay. Oh, so do you want to... Well, continue. Oh, no. No, no. No. <laughs> no. Gwen's turn. Okay. All right. So what are you telling? I am telling one that is from an ancient Indian poet named Kalidasa, and it is about a king and his beautiful bride who met and were separated. Okay. Okay. So one day, this king, whose name was Dashyanta, or Dushyanta, forgive me if I torture these names, he was on a hunting trip and he happened to go past a hermitage where a young girl by the name of Sakuntala was out doing things. You know, she was doing maiden things. Doing maiden things. And she's a very, very beautiful girl. And she had actually been raised in the hermitage because. Um, her parents had um, had left her as oh, a baby. Oh, she was an abandoned yeah, she a foundling? Was a, she was a foundling, and her parents had abandoned her at this hermitage, and so she'd been raised by wise people and sages and hermits, essentially, <laughs> and mystics. She saw this beautiful man, this king, Dushanta, and he saw her, this beautiful girl, and they fell in love instantly. It was love at first sight. That seems to be the way. Yes, they loved each other. They fell in love. But because, you know, she had no father to speak of and apparently there was nobody at the hermitage that they could who go was, to. Who was like responsible who, for her. You know, they decided to exchange vows in a ceremony that was witnessed by nature herself. And so okay. they consummated their marriage and then he had to return to his palace. But he promised her that he would send an envoy to retrieve her. Just bring her. I think he had to finish his hunting trip, probably. Oh, okay. So he, because he was out hunting, okay. so he had to he had to con- finish his trip and then return to his palace. But he gave her a signet ring. 
and said, I will send an envoy to you. And so when they come, you show them this signet ring and they will bring you to me and you will take your place by my side as my queen. Okay. And so, of course, she said yes. And he went off and continued on his journey and returned to his palace. Many days pass. Mm -hmm. And she's waiting for this envoy to to come to her and of course she's thinking about him because it was she was instantly in love with him and she's going to be a queen and Mm -hmm. he's this beautiful king and so she's her thoughts and her mind she's very focused on him well unfortunately she happened to be daydreaming one day about this king when a very surly and not very nice mystic came along and was calling. Presumably not one who belonged at the hermitage. No, he was coming to visit. Okay. But she did not respond to his calls. Okay. And because he was so angered mm-hmm. that she, you know. By her rudeness. By her rudeness that she failed to return his hails, he cast a curse upon her and upon her love by saying, he whose thoughts have engrossed you will not remember you. Her, her companions, there must have been some companions mm-hmm. there, or maybe some other some others of the hermitage. Mm-hmm. They said, no, please, don't don't curse her like this. This mm-hmm. is, you know, she's a young girl. Uh, don't be so cruel. So the sage, who was still a bit surly and just kind of not nice, he added a caveat. And he said, he will only recall you upon receiving a significant souvenir. So, of course, she, she's got one. <laughs> she's got the signet ring, right? So, she figures, okay, whew, it's, everything's going to be all right. Except he won't send the envoy. Well, exactly. Days pass, more time passes, and no envoy comes. Because, of course, this curse has made it so that the king no longer remembers that he even has a wife let alone that he needs to send an envoy go fetch her to go fetch her from this hermitage well finally one day whoever has been raising her in this hermitage mm-hmm. they because she is now obviously with child oh boy because they did consummate their marriage yep. so they did the dirty they did they, the dirty they did the deed so she is now with child mm-hmm. and so finally they say all right he's not coming you need to go to the palace Present the ring Mm -hmm. to the king and take your place by his side as queen and have your child. And so she embarks on this journey by herself, young pregnant woman. And she comes, you know, she has to journey along and she comes to a river. And so she's crossing this river. And as she's crossing it, she's allowing her fingers to kind of, you know, just kind of wave back and forth in the water. In a maidenly way. In a maidenly way that you do, because apparently it was a gentle stream. But as she was playing with the water, as she's walking through it, the signet ring slips from her finger and falls into the river. Oh, boy. And, of course, she does not notice it's missing. Oh, boy. And she continues her journey. It's literally the most important object she owns. Exactly. And she continues her journey. She walks all the way to the palace. She comes before the king, and he says, who are you? Uh-huh. And she's... My husband, it's I. I'm I'm coming to you. I'm I'm with child and he's like, I don't know who you are. You need to return to where you came from. Random pregnant women can't can't yeah. just claim to be can't my wife. Can't just claim to be my wife. You must leave. And of course, she's heartbroken because he doesn't remember her just as the She knows the rules. The horrible sage and because she realized she'd lost the ring, she has no way to show the ring to him and say, "I am your wife." Remember? Mm-hmm. And of course, because of the curse, 
He does not remember who she is. Yeah, but is. soon she's going to have another significant totem. Mm. <laughs> it's true. Mm. <laughs> she leaves. She has to leave. He sends her away from right, the yeah, palace. Yeah, because you can't right. just have yeah. random pregnant woman in the palace. So heartbroken, she leaves the palace. But thankfully, one day, a fisherman has gone to the river and he's caught you know, his catch for the day. And as he's cleaning and cutting and opening the fish, he finds this mm. ring. And it's a beautiful, opulent signet ring. So it obviously belongs to his king. So he takes the ring and presents it to his king. And the king and her fishermen live happily ever after? No. Oh, damn. But the king does automatically, instantly remember. So she doesn't have to show it to him. Exactly. But he had to see the ring. Gotcha. So Dashyanta, he remembers that he has Sakuntala as a wife. And he's heartbroken that he has done this. That he has sent her away. away. So he's sending someone to go fetch her and bring her back. Bring back his wife. But then even as he's doing this, he is called off to war. And he goes on, he has to leave. There's so many twists in this it's story. It's so many twists. And so he, they don't get to, to be together because he, and he goes through this long journey with a god who takes him through, you know, all these trials. But finally, one day in the woods, he comes across her and his son. None of the people he sent out found her while he was at war? <laughs> and... He, now this is according to one story. There's several versions of this legend. I'm kind of squooshing them together. But they are finally, joyfully, gratefully, thankfully reunited. He recognizes her. He sees the son she bore him, who they call Bharat, and who India is named for. Wow. And Rhiannon Gray says, all because she didn't say hello to some asshole. <laughs> right? <laughs> Exactly. All because she was distracted thinking about her husband and a really nasty mystic decided to get tetchy. And Rabbit says, and you thought finding someone on OkCupid was hard. <laughs> yeah, wow. they, and it depends on the story. Some have it that as soon as he sees the ring, he recognizes her. They have this beautiful reunion and everything's great. But then other versions of the story have him going off to war and apparently maybe, I, I'm not sure, but possibly dying and then being brought back to life by one of the gods. Because he's like, I still have this wife I gotta find. <laughs> and then runs across her while she's, you know. In the forest. In the, oh in the forest or the woods. Where she still hadn't been found by any of the people apparently he sent out not. to do that while he was gone. Maybe she was a deer in between. I don't know. <laughs> But it's just, it's this beautiful story. They do eventually, uh, you know, this this instant love. Then they're torn apart. And over trial and tribulation, they are finally brought together. And they do live happily ever after. All I know is that all of the dudes in all of these stories have great feet. <laughs> Probably. We do not know if this king had good feet. Had good feet. He we does do, do a lot of walking, though. We right, do yeah. know he had a shoddy memory, but that was not his fault. <laughs> Scootus says, story time, a series of unfortunate events. And Swan says, I think the morals of all these stories is don't be a maiden. (laughs) Well, it's, yeah. Or or pay attention when somebody calls your name. And don't throw your vitally important heirloom ring into a river. Yes. She didn't throw it. It slipped. Because she was being a little careless. Join our tiger Amanda and relax with the salts of Wonderful Body Co. These soaks and scrubs inspired by popular books and characters are designed to delight multiple senses. 
with fragrance scents and sparkling mica. You can also find rollerball fragrances and hair oils. With dozens of options available, you're sure to find something you like at the Wonderful Body Coast Collection. This week, Ode is recommending Dictinus with the scent of, I quote, stepping into a magical library with a fancy coffee. <laughs> find Wonderful Body Co. online at wonderfulbodyco.com. Don't follow the link posted on our Facebook page by the person who owns Wonderful Body Co. because they did it wrong. So that's wonderfulbodyco.com or go directly to the shop at etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash wonderfulbodyco. And remember to use the discount code 3PAAC30 for a 30% off your purchase. And Auntie... Yes. Amanda. Yes. Says, shit, I fixed it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I guess it's my turn. Yes. Um, And I'm actually going to tell a a story of a maiden who does not deserve the shit she gets because she actually does things right. It just doesn't work out for her. But life. (laughs) But life. One day, when Odin is off doing Odin-y things instead of being in his throne room where he belongs, Freyr is visiting for some reason. It's not clear why. But he takes this opportunity while Odin is not home, to sit in Odin's high seat. Oh, that does not sound like a good idea. (laughs) So far, all I've heard in these Norse stories is people are stupid. Yes. Uh. Okay. So, so Freyr decides he's got this opportunity. No one's watching. Oh, this is bad. He's going to sit in the high seat. No. Just, you know, just a little, just a little fun, just a king moment. You know, kings being kings. He's a king in Alfheim. It's fine. It's totally fine. Don't do it! Don't do it! <laughs> so he sits in the high seat, and it turns out <laughs> that Odin's high seat actually allows you to see all the nine realms. <laughs> oh, boy. So Freyr is getting the view of a lifetime, seeing all the nine realms. And along the way, he gets a look into Jotunheim, where he sees the most beautiful Jotun who's ever lived. Gerder. Who has, well, the, the part of her that most enthralls Freyr is her shining arms. Feet and arms. <laughs> it's her her beautiful, pale, shining arms. He's immediately, unfathomably infatuated with her. And he must marry Gerda. He he can't live his life without marrying this Jotun woman. But because she's a Jotun woman, this will never be permitted. So he's doomed. Doomed, I say doomed. Doomed Doomed and condemned to a life of misery, never having even met this woman who he's just spied on from Odin's magic chair. Oh, dear. (laughs) So he goes into a deep sulk and stops partying with everyone. He stops talking to people. He's just, he's in a depression. That's very sad. Because he knows he will never be permitted to marry this woman he doesn't know. And Njord notices that his son is being uncharacteristically dour. So he goes to his characteristically dour wife and says, something's wrong with my son. And Scotty says, "Uh, that doesn't surprise me. Something's wrong with all of you. (laughs) And they go to Freyr and they say, what's up? Why are you being like this? Probably Scotty says, what's up? Why are you being like this? Because Njord is pretty low key. And so Freyr explains, I'm overcome with longing for this Jotun woman. Scotty, you're a Jotun. You got to marry my dad, but I'll never be able to marry the Jotun of my dreams. And Scotty's like, your father was not the Aesir of my dreams. But setting that aside, how about you actually try 
instead of just whining all the time forever. Freyr says, you know what? That's a possibility I never considered. So he gets his servant, Skirnir, and he says, I need you to go to Jotunheim, which I know is a very long trip, but I need you to go because otherwise I will die in misery. And I need you to go and woo this woman I've never met for me so that she will marry me immediately without question. And Skirnir says... Well, you're the boss. <laughs> like, okay. Give me a horse to get there and a sword to defend myself. And sure, I'll see what I can do. Freyr gives Skirnir his horse, which can leap over tall flames. And he gives Skirnir his sword, which can fight on its own, which is an advantage since Skirnir may or may not know how to fight. Skirnir takes these things with him. He goes on the long trip to... Jotunheim. Presumably, Freyr gives him good directions that he got from the magic chair to where specifically in Jotunheim Geriter lives, uh, because he finds her home conveniently when her father is not there. And he does not bother to knock, because this is Jotun territory, and he's not interested in niceties. He's here purely to discharge a responsibility to his lord. There are fiery walls all around the the hall that Geriter lives in, because her father's not home, so he's left her defended. He takes Freyr's magic horse and leaps over these fiery walls with no introduction and starts banging on the door. And Gerder is like, who the fuck is at my door? <laughs> I am here alone with just me and my handmaidens and some asshole is knocking at my door and my brother was recently slain by the Aesir, so maybe it's that person. Who the fuck is that knocking at my door? Yes. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Don't come around no more. Pre- so. pretty, pretty much exactly that. Yeah, she's like, I don't know who you are. And Skirnir's like, it doesn't matter, let me in. And she's like, I guess, okay? Because hospitality rules. So come in, have some mead. We'll discuss who you are and why you're here. And Skirnir's like, I don't need mead from you. What I need from you is for you to marry my lord, Freyr. Well, all right And Ace here, which you should just do immediately. And she's like, I don't know this man. So my answer is no, unsurprisingly. And you may want to leave now. And Skirnir says, well, that's not a good answer. Uh, how about if I give you 11 golden apples? And she says, are you fucking joking? No. The last time someone tried to take golden apples from Asgard, they got dead. That was Skadi's dad. I'm not doing that. That's a bad deal. That's a deal that gets me killed. And he says, okay, well, I see you're canny. Uh, how about I give you Drapnir, a magical golden armband that drips eight golden rings from it every nine nights? which this is how we can place this in the timeline as happening before Baldur's death, because after Baldur's death, it's burned with him. Because it's actually Uthen's armband. So how Skirnir got it is a good question. (laughs) And Gerhra says, no, I don't need a magic ring. I have lots of money. This is my father's hall that you're in right now. You can see that it's very wealthy and I don't need your fancy Asgard wealth. So Go away and stop trying to buy my affections. And Skarnir says, that's also not acceptable. What if I just cut your head off with this magic sword that my that my lord gave me? And she says, well, you could do that if you want, but then my dad is going to come home and murder you. And also, I still will not be married to your lord. <laughs> so none of us win with uh-uh. that proposition. That was, that was desperation talking. Uh-huh. So Skarnir says, okay, I didn't want to do this, but I'm an asshole, so I'm going to. I have here a magic taming wand. This is how it's translated. I have here a magic taming wand. It's carved with runes. And with it, I will curse you. If you do not marry my lord, Freyr, who is an Aesir and you should want to. Uh, and and you, if you had done this without question, we wouldn't have gotten to this point. But we did. So I'm going to curse you. 
Uh, you'll be ignored by everyone you want to pay you attention. Everyone you, you want to ignore you will pay constant attention to you. You will be lusty for all your days and never be able to be satisfied. You will have an ugly, repulsive husband if you don't have Frere. Uh, so he lists all these curses that he's going to lay on Gerda if she doesn't marry Frere. And Gerda says, okay, I see you're serious about this. <laughs> Those do sound bad, and I don't have any way to make magic not happen because I'm not skilled in runes or anything and neither is my dad and presumably none of my handmaidens know anything about that shit. So, okay, unfortunately you've caught me in your heinous trap. Because he's rude. You rude little man. So, fine, in nine nights I will go meet your lord in this secret wood that I know about and presumably if he found me here in Jotunheim he can find. Sure, tell him in nine nights I'll be there and we can get married. That'll be... Great. And Skirnir says, excellent, and rides back to Freyr and tells him, not the whole story, but does tell him that Gerda will marry him in Nine Nights. And Freyr, because he's a mopey baby in this particular story, is he an emo god? <laughs> says, I can't wait even one night. How am I supposed to wait nine? <laughs> And that's the end of the story. But we do know that Frere and... Seriously? Yeah, that's the that's end. That's it? That's where the story officially ends. Oh my god! Um, we do know that Frere and, and Gerda get married. And Gerda seems to be okay with it. She doesn't, like, she doesn't divorce him like Scott does in She needed nine so, nights to get over to, to, Yeah, to, to recover from the, the rudeness of Skirner. But... Or maybe Frere was just so taken with her... <laughs> That he just wooed her into... Once they actually met once in person. Once they actually met. But Skirnir keeps Freyr's magic sword. And that's why when Ragnarok comes, he has to fight with an antler tine and dies. Oh, interesting. So the long-term consequences are not great. Mm-hmm. So I have two things out of this. Mm-hmm. One is that story's basically every My Chemical Romance song ever. <laughs> See, I told you, emo guy. Um, and if... The it's a magic chair, right? Uh huh. Does mm-hmm. that mean that Odin is Mrs. Frizzle, like the magic school bus? <laughs> no, I don't think so. It doesn't take him anywhere. It just shows him things. Shows him okay. things. Okay, just checking. And seriously, only Frigga is supposed to be allowed to sit in that seat. So Frigga was when, pushing it when uh, when Odin's not yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Swan says must have been his feet about uh, what what won over <laughs> <laughs> It's those pretty feet, man. Yeah. He would have inherited pretty feet from his father and yard. Yeah. Well, so. I gotta do say, Car does have pretty feet. It's a thing, apparently. Car's <laughs> checking his feet like, do what? No. But you know what? Now. We've run out of time, so I'm sorry. That's it for this Tell episode. Your uh, story. You said you had a follow-up story. story. Tell the follow-up story. Just at least the at least this one. Stories. Because I don't have a third one, so. so just tell tell the second follow-up story. Tell it, tell it. Tell the story. So after the loss of his wonderful doe wife, right. Fionan <laughs> married again, this time to a woman whose name I also cannot pronounce. However, as the pair begins to age, she passes away. Fionan's men insist that he must marry again and discover that Grain, daughter of the High King of Ireland, was the worthiest woman in the land to be made his bride. Okay. So, arrangements for the wedding were set in place. However, when Grain and Fionn finally met, she was unnerved to find out that he was older than her father. <laughs> Dismissing him, instead Oops. she became infatuated with Darmud, one of Fionn's best and most handsome warriors, mm. who returned her feelings. And presumably was more her age. Yes, yes. 
During the pre-wedding feast, Grain slipped a sleeping potion into everyone oh, but herself rude. and Darmood. She begged him to run away with her, and he agreed. They escaped across the River Shannon with Fionn in hot pursuit and remained on the run for the duration of many adventures, one involving Grain falling pregnant and developing a craving for rowan berries. In order to get them for her, Darmood had to fight a giant and eventually came out of that one triumphant. Hey. Yes. And uh, presumably got the berries. After many of years of running the lovers from place to place, Darmud's father negotiated a truce with Fionnen, and they were able to settle in County Sligo in Ireland. One day, Fionn organized a boar hunt and invited Darmud along. In dealing with one of the animals, fatal blow, Darmud was gored by one of its tusks and wounded terribly. Oh, no. Fionn, who had the magical gift to cure any ailment by allowing the wounded to drink water from his cupped hands, <sighs> let the water slip through his fingers twice. Darmud died, and soon after, then did grain from a broken heart. Fionn! Oh my god! Fionn! Grandpa Fionn was an asshole! Yeah! He learned move. the wrong lessons from his doe wife. I forgot all this. <laughs> Guy, really <laughs> That's terrible. Oh my god. Yeah. Rude. Rude. Someone else, please tell a story. And that's how we're ending the night. Thank you. Um, oh my god, that's terrible. You all don't want me to tell the next one because it gets even worse and it's with, still with Fionn. So, oh god. Um, so how, when, old did, how long did Fionn live? Uh, t- too fucking long. old. Too, too long. long. Yeah. Too long. He, he kept should. drinking from his own fucking cupped hands. <laughs> Could be. Oh my god. All right, go ahead, Gwen. Tell your last story. So this is actually a Chinese uh, story. Okay. And on the seventh day of the seventh month in the lunar calendar is known as the seventh evening festival. It's a a festival of love. It's a um, kind of their Valentine's. It's an opportunity for people to find their, their lovers, their, you know, spouses to be, that kind of thing. They say it is said to rain around this time of year on this seventh day of the seventh month because it is the single night that two lovers are able to reunite Mm. in a year. So the story, the reason that it rains on this day is because that once there were seven goddesses who lived in the heavens, they were sisters, and one night they took a trip to the mortal world. They wanted to explore and um, it was hard for them to get permission, so... You know, they, they just went and did this thing. Just snuck out. Yep. Ask and, forgiveness, not permission. Yep. And they they were near a cowherd's home. They decided to take a bath in some water mm-hmm. and, you know, in, where they're splashing in, in like a pond and having a good time. Skinny dipping. And it woke the cowherd up and he came out and he happened to fall in love with one of these goddesses. He saw her. She saw him. They fell in love instantly. And... um. They got together. They had two children. But this was illegal. This was not sanctioned. Goddesses and humans were not meant to... That's how you end up with demigods. Yeah. you. They weren't meant to be together. And so nobody wanted the goddess of heaven or, you know, anybody to find out. So they returned her with them to heaven. And she was actually a weaving goddess. She would weave the heavens. Okay. Is what her her duty was. The young man, the cowherd, was very upset that he couldn't be with his wife. And essentially, he, he killed, let's see, he would travel to heaven to see his wife. He did it by killing an ox 
skinning it and using the the cowhide to carry his children with him to go visit her. Okay. Well, this made the goddess of heaven very upset when she found out that not only there were illicit visits happening. Mm-hmm. That there were these illicit visits happening. And so she created this huge river in the heavens. Okay. And she put the goddess on one side, the young maiden goddess. She put the cowherd and the children on the other. And the river between them became the Milky Way. I was going to say. And so they can only see each other on the seventh day of the seventh month of the year. That's the only time that they're visible to one another in the sky. Sad, but not as sad as some of the other ones. Right. So, Could be worse. Yeah, they yeah. get to live. Yep. Yeah. And they do say that once they reunite, that one day of year, they it, it rains. You know, they can be together, and it makes the birds cry. Oh. And, the, and, the, and the heavens rain and cry. That's the thing that I've noticed about all these love stories uh, these with these deities and these mystical mm-hmm. figures is they often end in tragedy. tragedy. Yeah. You know? This is what I was talking about last week when we were talking about uh, Aphrodite as a mm-hmm. as a love goddess was meant something different to the Greeks than it does to us. Mm-hmm. Love was not necessarily a positive thing well, back in the day. Rabbit says happy love stories are boring. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind that 7-7... Seven, seven would not necessarily be July the 7th because you're going off a Chinese calendar. That's true. So it probably actually moves. Yeah, that's true. Because, it's yeah. according to their they have a right. calendar. calendar. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Their seventh, the seventh day of the seventh month yep. is when the two so lovers... this year, I be... believe, Rhiannon says it's August 14th. Okay, there gotcha. you go. So they can be re- reunited only on that day. Yeah. They are separated by the Milky Way. Which is quite a distance. It's very sad. Or a really small candy bar. Yeah. Right, it could also be that. <laughs> yeah. But I did have one happy tale. Pink. <laughs> they, um, I did have. You're one both happy allergic tale. to chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Evil laugh. But I did have the one happy story because the even though they were separated for a time and the, all the right, right, they did the magic finally, shenanigans. They, they did, did finally meet in the woods again. They did reunite and live happily ever after. All right, so that's it for this episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. You can find us on Facebook mm-hmm. and Twitter and Instagram. Ampathios, Pagan in particular. Um, you can also find us on like basically every podcast service out there. Mm-hmm. Also on uh, your Alexa. If you oh, say yeah. Alexa, play Three Pagans and a Cat. I just wonder how many people like at home who are listening to us right their, now. Yeah. <laughs> you just turned on their white queens. Yeah, yes. yep. <laughs> or black dots, which is what we have up here. So, uh, but probably the best way to find out any inf- information about us is, as Finn says, Google us, fuckers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just Google. Just Google. Just Google us. We're almost in things. three pagans and a cat in there. The number three. Pagans and a cat. Pagans and a cat. And you'll come up with us. Somewhere. Somehow. Right. And there's and there's a dot com. And there okay. won't even be an evil wizard or a, a mean goddess. <laughs> a mean druid. A mean druid. Or, uh, you know. An, es- an especially touchy sage. <laughs> they, won't, they won't give you shit for, for looking us up. I promise that if you put three pagans and a cat in the image search, you won't see pretty feet. <laughs> <laughs>